friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad that you're here. Every week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, it is December. We have made it to the very last month of 2017, and I hope that we finish strong. Hey guys, do you want to give your child the world? With a subscription to Little Passports, now you can. Travel the world with your kids by your side without ever leaving your home. Show them the Eiffel Tower in France and the Taj Mahal of India and the rainforest of Brazil through monthly packages delivered to your door. Each package contains letters, souvenirs, hands-on activities, and more. At Little Passports, you'll find gift options for kids of all ages, and the excitement will continue long after Christmas is over. It's the perfect gift, but be sure to order now so your delivery arrives in time to put under the tree. For special holiday deals, visit littlepassports.com slash happy hour. Today, you're listening to episode number 170, and my guest is Trisha Goyer. Trisha and her husband have lots of kids, and she's the author of lots of books. And today, we're going to cover it all, you guys. Book writing, her story when she got pregnant as a teenager, meeting her husband with a newborn baby. I'm not kidding. Talking with our kids about hard things, stepping forward and following God, even when we don't know all the steps, foster care, adoption, parenting, lots of stuff, guys. And then some of her favorite things are actually some of my favorite things. There's literally something in this show for all of us. All right, guys, here is my conversation with Trisha. Hey, Trisha, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Okay, so I want you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Um, Give them the rough 30-second high picture view of your life. Okay. Well, I'm married to John. We've been married for 27 years. That's a long time. It is. Yes. I got, You're young. I was 18 when I got married, but I was 17 when I had my first son and I met and married John after I had him. Um, so we have 10 kids. Did y'all hear that? 10 kids. 10 kids. Okay. <laughs> so uh, they range from 28. So we have three biological, 28, 25, 23. And then we've adopted seven kids in the last seven years. So this is my vacation. Just like <laughs> the fact that there's two of us here. Yes. We're good. Yeah. John's holding down the fort. He is. He's homeschooling. I was going to say, and you homeschool. And I homeschool. Okay. Yes. And then I write books. And you write books. And uh, you told me you've written 60,000 books. 70. 70. 70 books. <laughs> 70 books. Yeah. I can't. So when, how old were you when you wrote your first book? Okay. Um, I was like 28, probably. I'm 46 now. Okay. So you're so, busting out books. Yeah. Like four a year. No way. Yeah. But the first one took like three years. So wait, Trisha, you're writing four books a year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But did you hear, did just... you hear the first, the first one took three years. So okay. it's gotten faster. Like, okay. so we've been doing this for a while. My first you're book came out in 99. four books a year or you're writing four books a year? Both. Both. Yeah. With different publishers. So. Wow. Yeah. I have a book coming out in January and I feel like I started it 17 years ago. I mean, it's just a long time to write a book and market it and get it out. And you're just busting them out. It's my break from the children. Mommy has to go right now. So. Okay. So here's a writer question for you. Okay. And this, I hope I don't bore anyone listening, but where do you come up with the ideas for four books a year? So I write in different genres. So I do nonfiction. I have fiction. I've written books for teens. Okay children's books, like Prayers That Changed History. So I might do like Prayers That Changed History was for kids. And then I've written some books for guideposts, which are like cozy mysteries and then like a nonfiction book. So they're all different genres. Which is also really intriguing to me just about you as a person, because I knew you wrote in different genres and the way that a person's brain can work to write in different genres is very intriguing. Um, 
like for for example, you just told me that you were bought my husband's book, yes. which is historical fiction. Yes. I used to always get it wrong. I was like, what kind of book did he write? <laughs> historical fiction. But he also is a songwriter mm-hmm. and he writes nonfiction. Right. And so it's, to me, I'm just like, how does your brain switch? How do you switch back and forth your brain? You may not have an answer well, to that. Well, I first started fiction. Like I wanted to write novels. And so I went to writer's conferences. My first conference, I was 22 and pregnant with my third baby. And like, I want to be a Christian writer at this conference. And so I went to the writer's conference wanting to write novels. And then I met magazine editors. So I started doing magazines and that led into nonfiction. And so it's like each one is you're kind of training Mm. for each area. Um, But it's also once you know how to do one thing, it's like just adding a new skill to do another area. You're just kind of having to switch your brain over. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the fiction books. Yes. What do you love about writing fiction? Um, I've written a lot of World War II. So I love, I was able to interview a lot of veterans. So I was able to interview over like 100 veterans and hear their stories or find true stories. Um, I have a, a historical fiction book coming out in January about children who are rescued from Czechoslovakia during World War II. And I found a guy who was rescued as a child. Stop. Like his mom put him on a train and sent him to Great Britain to save his life. And his whole family, they're Jewish, were killed. So, I mean... Wow. If I could find a true, so most of my books, even mm. though they're historical fiction, like Aaron's book, yeah. is like based on a true person. That you read about, that you that know you their read story about, and then you, know you enhance story. it. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then. I love that. So I just love digging and finding out about people, which in the nonfiction, you're doing the same thing. So you really find about like what makes people tick and what's going on with their lives. And either it's fiction, those themes are there, like within the story or nonfiction, I'm able to share like hope and truth for real people. Not fake people. Not fake people. In, <laughs> in your fiction books. Not the do ones you, I make up in my right. head. <laughs> do you have a favorite genre that you write? Um, or well, is that like asking if you have a favorite kid? Historical. Which some I days say, you do. Let's just be it, honest. <laughs> and especially there's a lot to choose from. A lot yeah, to choose. Yes. <laughs> Which one's obeying the best Right, today? exactly. Yeah. So historical fiction? <laughs> historical fiction would okay. be it, yeah. It's so intriguing as me as a very new I, I, I even have a hard time calling myself an author. You know, the book's not out yet. Right. It's done. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, but it's so intriguing to just see how people's brains work in the writing field. And fiction is something that, I mean, I think I could write four pages and then the whole story <laughs> would be over. Like, yeah. she went on a walk and saw a tree. <laughs> like that. There's my fiction writing for you. Yeah. So I wouldn't be good at that. Okay, so author, homeschooling mom. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Writer, speaker, uh, what am I leaving out? Anything? Mentoring. We have a oh, teen yes. mom support group every Thursday night. My girls. Are you going to be there tonight? Gonna, no, I'm not going to make it back in time. Because you're flying in, yeah, yeah. Thursday. Teen mom support. Yeah, they're texting me already, asking me for rides. <laughs> I'm like, course. I'm not going to be there. Of course. Okay, so I want to go back, way back okay. uh, in Trisha's life. So um, you said uh, that you became a mom at 17, mm-hmm. which is not my story. I have some of the same similarities of things that you dealt with, but a lot of people, um, that is their story. And a lot of people bring a lot of just um, shame into that. I mean, I was just talking to a woman yesterday who is um, divorced Mm -hmm. um, and remarried. And she said these kind of things to me. She said, when I have to introduce myself and I say, and they say, where are your kids? And she's like, oh, they're with their dad. Right. She said, I feel so much shame. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel so embarrassed. And I feel like people look down on me. Um, and I, this is like a mantra of mine of just like getting rid of the shame right. and living yes. in the identity that God's given you. So I'm, I'm, I'm on your train, whatever you're about to say, I know it. <laughs> but speak to these women. Let's talk to them real quick. 
Because did you ever feel that as a, were you a new believer? I don't even know that. Yeah. So I, well, let me go back a little. I got pregnant at 17 and had an abortion. So at that's, 17. that's uh, no, at 15, 15, 15. Yeah. So yeah, I got pregnant at 15, had an abortion, got pregnant again at 17, same boyfriend and chose to have my baby. So the shame was like already there. Like even before I had my son, there was this, the hidden shame of having an abortion, but you think like it's the easy way out and it'll be over tomorrow and I don't have to face this anymore, but it's just that pain and that shame. And I was not a Christian then. I had grown up going to church, but by my teen years, like there was no fruit. Like I would say I believed in God, but you know, I didn't have a relationship a with him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then 17, it, when I was pregnant, it was about six months along when I realized like I was, I dropped out of high school. I was mm. staying in bed all day. I was super depressed. My boyfriend had a new girlfriend within a couple of weeks. And did your I, parents know about the pregnancy? My parents knew about the pregnancy and, they, and I was li- still living with them. Like did they, they were know about supportive. the abortion? Mm-hmm. Okay. They did. Yeah. They knew about the abortion too. How was that? I've had another guest who talked about that. How was that telling your parents? But you weren't a believer. I was not were a your believer. Parents? My mom was. My, my stepdad, it was my mom and my stepdad and he was not. My mom was. And she, well, so I think, and she went along with me. So I think she was thinking she was helping me. Oh. Like, this is my decision. I'm going to help her out of love. I mean, I truly feel it was out of love. I think I've struggled with that too. Like, why didn't you like lock me in my room? I don't know yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think I think she truly was just trying to be there to support me and love me. And she then, told her this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I thought it was like an easy way out. Yeah. Yeah. And then so 17, I still had all that pain, the shame. And now I'm pregnant, went to school. Like when I started showing, I like couldn't handle everyone's comments, dropped out of school and just super depressed, sleeping all day and thinking what has happened with my life. I was about six months along. But I remember thinking, uh, well, these, the women from my mom's church reached out to me. So they gave me a baby shower. They would Which, come. Can we just pause right here? Yeah. Because that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Because that is not normal. No. I've had girls like get kicked out of church or youth group when they found out they were pregnant. Can, can we Tell just me. pause and say that it, that is not okay? Yeah. No. It is not okay. Yeah. I remember um, at some a private school in an area where we used to live that they would take a kick a girl out. And listen, I understand it's a private Christian school, all the things, right? but it's like saying someone's at their lowest and let's just like stomp on them. And everyone is doing things like every single student yes. in there is sinning in some way. Yes. This is just evidence of some, a bad choice. And, ever, and they're having sex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you, there are people at Christian schools uh, that are having sex. Right. If you don't know that, wake <laughs> up. <laughs> but yeah, and it's just yeah. all of a sudden there's this there's this outward evidence. You know, mm-hmm. that sexual sin is it's so hard to overcome. And then when there's an outward evidence, like you were dealing with, were you a senior or a junior? I was a senior. So, so dropped I was a out. cheerleader, honor roll, dropped out. And then, but they reached out to me. And at first I didn't want to have it. Like they, my pastor's wife went, came to pray with me and I like turned my back on her, like, leave me alone. Like I was just so in the pit of, depression. And, and a lot of it was just the pain of the abortion. So it's like, cause you had never dealt with that. Never dealt with that. Yeah. Right. So, and then now I'm having a baby. And when you feel the kick, it's like realizing what you did, like all the yeah. stuff. But then I was about six, six months long and I woke up and I thought, if these women love me, like they are loving me, they're showing me love. Maybe God can love me too. And Jeez. that's when I gave my heart to God, like take over. If you can, this is my prayer. If you can do anything with my life, like, please do. Like, I'm going your way. So I started reading my Bible and praying and met John uh, after. Because of those ladies. Because of those ladies. I mean, that is just such a valid reminder of us as believers that when we think that maybe we're not making an impact or we're not really helping, like they continue to pour into your life even when you said no. And I was very rude. Like I was, I was obnoxious. You weren't kind about it. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm like, just leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. 
And they just kept pushing in. And they just kept pushing in. Yeah. Just like Jesus does. Yep. Exactly. Okay, so they kept pushing. Um, you surrendered your life to the Lord. Uh, you're still pregnant. I mean, yeah. that nothing, your circumstances did not yes. change. Yes. Um, you have a baby. Have a baby. Your firstborn yeah. son, Little right? boy, Corey. Little boy. Yeah. Okay, and then you told me that you met your husband soon after that. And okay. like, tell me this story. Uh, okay, this is an awesome story. Okay, so um, I, okay, I was 17, so I had the baby, and everyone was rude at the hospital because— they would come in and tell me how to care for him, but they wouldn't talk to me. They talked to my mom. So like, this is how you care for his umbilical cord. And I'm like, hello, right I'm here. the mom. And so I wanted to go home. So I went home that day, like at noon. So I had him at three, went home at noon. I'm pretty sure I put my jeans on as I left the hospital. Of course you did because you were I was 17. 17. Yeah. <laughs> so then that night I was at home with my baby, just had a baby. Like it wasn't even 24 hours. And my grandma called and said, John Goyer is on his way to see you. And that was the pastor's name. And so I thought, okay, the pastor's coming over. She's like, no. Is this the pastor's son? It was the pastor's son. And the, and the pastor's wife had been pursuing you? Yes. Okay, yeah. this is going to give me chills. Keep <laughs> I going. Know. Yeah. So he's... Did you know him? Just from like, he was a drummer at church. So okay. I'm like, oh, that cute little drummer Everyone boy. Everyone loves the drummer, right? Yeah. <laughs> the drummer uh-huh. boy. And it was just like 50 people at the church. So okay. it was super small. Uh-huh. And so he had heard I had the baby. His dad called him at work and said that I had the baby. And he kind of like led the young people. So they'd go on ski trips or they'd go out to eat or they'd do Bible study. So he kind of oversaw those. So he brought me a teddy bear and, and a card. And he's older than you by how much? He was 22 and I was 17. Okay, okay. Yeah, so he brought me a teddy bear and a card. And it just said, like, if there's anything I can do, I'm like, yeah, you're kind of cute. <laughs> so th- then was that, was that. I mean, I was taking care of a brand new baby. And then a couple weeks later, his mom. So this is the pastor's wife that I was just rude to, like, not even four months prior. Right. Said, if John asked Trisha out on a date, would she go? This is two weeks. Wait, two she weeks. said this to who? My mom. She called my mom. And my mom asked me. I'm like, yeah, sure. So my mom would call her back and say, yeah. If John asked her, like, so the mom. This is hilarious. This is like well, high that school shows you. It shows you how much, like, once I accepted Christ, I was, like, in. I was reading my Bible. Uh-huh. I was going to church. Like, my heart did a complete change. I was, mm-hmm. like, I had messed up. I was completely on the dark path. And, like, Jesus is the way. So I had that in, the evidence that she was willing to, like, let her son or encourage her son to right. date me even after I just had a baby. Mm-hmm. So our first date. Corey was two weeks old. We go out to dinner and it's like halfway through dinner. Oh, I need to go to the bathroom and breastfeed Stop right it. now. Did you have your baby <laughs> yes. with you? He was two weeks old. Oh yes. my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So. so I'm just like astounded because I feel like so many times people would have been like, well, she's kind of used and right. yeah. she had a baby out of wedlock and yeah. here she is. And she dropped 17. out of high school and she's 17. Yeah. Um, are your husband's parents still alive? Yeah. They're is, awesome. I they are like I the mean, most generous, loving, giving. I mean, I've always felt accepted by them. Like even so when we started dating, they were just completely loving and caring. And okay, so you're on your date with your future husband, <laughs> and you have a two week old baby, and you're 17. This is just so not normal, right? Know. You know this. <laughs> like this is not normal. Um, and how was John the whole time about this whole situation? He was so caring. Like he thought Corey was so sweet and cute, and he. Um, like the, the waitress came up and said, oh, you must be proud parents. He's like, thank you. And I was like sinking into my chair. Like, I am so embarrassed. I want to explain. Like, I don't want him to. I mean, how do you tell the waitress, yeah. well, this is our first day. And yeah, but we were two <laughs> yeah, 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 we just met. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But he was like, thank you. Yeah, he is beautiful. So he was like, so great. Like, I'm like, you, I'm not, like, you are staying in my life. I'm like, this don't is, leave me. yeah, don't right. leave me. Yeah. yeah. And I had been praying for a future husband. Like, as soon as I, 
accepted Christ. I've been praying like, God, bring me someone who will love you, love me and love my baby. And I was like, okay. I mean, I just feel like, you know, I mean, you know, four or five months later. So how long did you guys date? We got engaged four months later and we got married when Corey's nine months old. Stop. So he has been there for like forever. In fact, we had like a, it was adoption Sunday at our church a couple of years ago. So we're all sitting there with all our kids. And they said, if you've adopted or been adopted, stand up. And all of us stood up and our adopted kids, Corey sat there. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. He's like, afterwards, he's like, mom, I forgot I was adopted. Yeah. He's 28 now. Uh-huh. But like, that's all he knows yeah. is that John and John adopted him legally. Uh-huh. Um, but he like has just known John yeah. being there. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. So you guys started your family, mm-hmm. um, the three of you, yes. with your sweet baby, Corey, at nine months old. Um, and then what did you do? Did you finish high school? I finished, well, I finished high school. I did my credits at home. So I finished um, three weeks before he was born. So mm-hmm. a couple of weeks before he was born. So I had my, and then I started some college classes after I was married, but it was just too much. Like yeah. I think I went for a year yeah. to college and then we had two more kids. And so going back to your question, like I wanted to be the perfect Christian wife. Like, let's forget, like people would say like, how old's your son? Like mm-hmm. they knew I wasn't very old and they could see him doing the math in their head. Um, I just wanted to forget that. Like, let's just go on. I'm just going to do all the good things, teach Sunday school, be a good person. And let's not think about the abortion, the teen pregnancy. Let's just leave that behind. I didn't want to talk about it. Like my best friends, they knew I had Corey young and they knew I had him before I married John, but None of them knew about the abortion. You weren't willing to talk about where you'd been no. and what you'd been mm. through and what God had saved you from, right. really. Um, and so how did that change? Because I think that is, you're very open talking about it now. I mean, right. obviously 27, 28 years later. Um, but I feel like that a lot of women are going to relate to, I just don't know how to tell anyone this, or I don't yeah. know how to talk about this, or I feel shame, or I'm embarrassed. And and people like have strong opinions. So, you know, we'd be in Bible studying, people talk about abortion. And I would just like, my heart would be pounding in my chest. I'd get sick to my stomach. I thought if they knew, mm. they would hate me right now. These are my best friends, like that I talked to on the phone every day. And I just thought if they knew, they would hate me. And it changed because um, we had moved from California to Montana and we we're going to a new church. And like very soon after we got there, this young woman stood up and she's like, I had an abortion when I was 19. I found hope and healing and I'm leading this Bible study. And I sat there, I'm like, I cannot believe she's standing in front of everyone mm. and sharing this because this is something like my mom knew. I had told John before we got married, but like no one else knew. Right. And so I knew I had to go to that Bible study. It was like she was announcing it like two months ahead of time. I waited till the day of the study to call her. That's how like mm. I'd like I have to call her. Then I'd pick up the phone and put it down because I couldn't handle 
talking about it or just facing it. And the day that I walked into that study and saw six other women there Mm. that faced the same thing. And we all shared our stories and we're all just crying and talking about like, I walked out of there with just this weight lifted that other people knew and that they still cared about me. And they face the same stuff. Like you feel like so alone because you're hiding and you kind of put up a wall and that wall doesn't just keep you from the pain. It like kept me from joy too. Mm. Like, cause you're just kind of protecting your heart. So there'd be times like, I remember one of my kids would get hurt and I'm like, I know I should be like really worried or compassionate right now, but I almost felt like numb. Like I was mm. going through the motions, but I was just like had this wall around my heart. And then I started going to the Bible study and just layer after layer and just realizing like, Jesus was there and like his blood covered everything. It wasn't like I had to feel shame. Like it's, it was done. Like he forgave me. It covered everything. And that I was in a dark place. Like I wouldn't make the same decision knowing him mm-hmm. and knowing my future, but mm-hmm. I was in darkness and I was like groping around for answers and just trying to find something. But that he forgave that and that he was there weeping. Like mm-hmm. he wanted me to turn to him and he wanted me to choose a different way, but he was like, he loved me in that moment. Yeah. And so just knowing that I just had so much freedom and it was just not even maybe six months later, my pastor asked me to share in front of our church. So like my first big speaking thing was sharing my testimony in front so of our church. you go from two people know about this to I'm going to be in a Bible study and I'm going to share with six ladies and you're experiencing freedom to, you know, six months later, I'm going to just stand up and talk about this. Which like my knees were shaking. Oh, I'm sure. My voice was quivering. And I was like, okay, now the church people, like, it still wasn't in my mind that, people were going to be okay. Like, so I called friends, like after I started going through the Bible studies, I called, started calling friends and they're like, we love you. You know, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I'm so sorry you had to feel like you had to hide that from me. And then, but standing in front of church, I was like, okay, now these church people are going to hate me. Like, I still had that feeling. Yeah, you still thought but that. I saw compassion, like in their faces. And then I saw tears. Like I could say that woman, like that mm. woman. And sure enough, over the following weeks, like women would come up to me and talk to me, but you could see it like all over their faces. You could tell that they mm-hmm. had experienced what you experienced. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And so that was like, and so I'm glad like now I, I speak and I write and I'm so thankful. Like we went straight there. Like mm. it wasn't like all these light topics. It's like, let's just go to the heart. And I think that's so important. Just when we share our stories, just when we are willing to open ourselves up and share with people, then it gives them permission to come and share their stories and their pain with us. And it just changed, it changed my life. Like yeah. that, it brought more freedom. The more I share, the more freedom I have. And it shares, changes their life because yeah. they feel that they can open up to someone else. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically you just saying, I'm going to go first. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lay it out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that we can go first is what I always tell women. The way that we can go first is because we are confident in who we are in Christ. Right. For years, I wasn't confident in that. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. was confident in what they thought about me or what that meant about me. Right. You know? And so when we start to realize what you were talking about, that Jesus covered that mm-hmm. sin, um, that then we can be confident in all of it because we are who Jesus says we are and yeah. not who at a clinic says we are, a medical paper, a church member, Absolutely. anything, yeah. you know? So tell me about the first time that you talked with your kids about this. And so, so they were... By the time I was sharing in church, I hadn't told them until like we were on the way there. And I'm like, okay, so. Okay, stop. (laughs) How old are your kids? So they're probably like, probably like nine, six, and five at that time. And I hadn't shared with them. Okay, I don't think my nine-year-old even knows what an abortion is. No. So they really did it. (laughs) But I'm thinking, so as we're going to church, 
if what if one of their parents oh, talks sure. to one of their they're kids? They're not going to be in the service, right? They're not going to be in the service because uh, they were in children's church. But uh-huh. what if like one of I see, they yeah. like get it? So like I had to tell them. So I had to kind of explain what abortion is, and then on the way to church. On the way to <laughs> oh my church. God! Like this is me procrastinating. This again. is light, this is a light church on the way to church topic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. hey kids. Yeah, and so kind of explain what it is, and that mommy made a bad choice, and that you know they have a they have a brother or sister in heaven. And so, and they were like, we forgive you. I asked for their forgiveness. And so we forgive you, mommy. And they probably didn't fully understand mm-hmm. then, but they also grew up with me sharing more. I helped start a crisis pregnancy and they would go along with me and I worked with teen moms. So I think they probably learned more and understood more the older they got. That was just kind of like, okay, that was kind of weird. I don't know, yeah. what, mom I don't was know what I was talking about, but right. we're going to go with <laughs> but it. But we're going to forgive yeah. her and yeah. give her a hug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, it's kind of like people say like, talking about, and you have children through adoption as well. And right. I do. Uh, and you know, people used to ask us, when are you going to tell them that they're adopted? Well, three of our kids are black. And so we're just like, I think they're going <laughs> to, they're going to figure, they're going to figure something's up here. Right. But we always just said, talk, we talked about it with them, even when they yeah. didn't understand it. Exactly. So yeah. then we're giving them language, you know, mm-hmm. we're letting them hear things from us so that it's not as though they're 15 and we're like, Hey, by the way, do you know what adoption means? You know, right. like they've heard these words, exactly. you know, um, and I'm sure that's how it is yeah. at your house with this as well, especially starting the, you know, the pr- pregnancy crisis center and all that kind of things. And you work with teen moms now, yeah. which you said teen mops. Mops is mothers of preschoolers. Yes, I know. Yeah. So you, did you start this or is this, uh, is this an, is when, this under the umbrella of mops? It's under the umbrella of mops. Where yeah. you go mops? I didn't know they yeah. had that. Mm-hmm. And so I was in a mops group with my young, uh-huh. my youngest at the time was like five and I was in a mops group. And I remember speaking for a mops group and there's a teen mom in there. And I'm like, nothing I'm saying is... She's in a different... Yeah. It's like... So I ended up afterwards talking to the mops coordinator and saying, like, did you see that girl? She left, like, before I was even done. And she goes, do you know there's something called teen mops? And maybe we should start a program. Well, guess who ended up starting? You like, did, She course. was like, we should. But ended up, <laughs> yeah. I did. Trisha, you do it. Yeah. Right. But it is through mops. And they do... There's only, I think there's about 100 teen groups around the country. But... Like our local mops group supports us. So they I love that. They gather diapers, they gather clothes. Like tonight when I was just getting a text one, they're dumping they're dropping off all the stuff for us. So they come and support us. They do meals. So the mops group supports the teen mom group. What an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. I hope if you're listening and you're part of a mops group. Yes. You can maybe see if you There's can do so this many in your teen. city. Yeah. So many. So and we many. do it in the evening because the girls are in school mm-hmm. or at work. Yeah. Or so it's every Thursday. Yeah. And we do it every week too because they forget, like, yeah. what if it's supposed to show up this night or not right. or whatever. We can't do the first and the third because no. then we can't remember if it's the <laughs> exactly. second or the fourth. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I was talking with a woman yesterday. I get the joy to serve at my local jail, and I was talking to her this week, and uh, she's 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 in jail for just bad choices, you mm-hmm. know, and so um, she is an addict. And But what she was talking to me about was she was saying, you know, I don't know why I keep making these bad choices, but I'm I'm done with it. I'm changing. I'm going to rehab. But when I'm done, I'm going to work with people who are struggling. Mm -hmm. And I was encouraging her like, man, that is so amazing. Because I said to her, I said, I I don't struggle with addiction. So for me to talk to you about addiction, I can, but I've never been there, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think it's when I was listening to her and listening to you, and sometimes I hear women saying, man, I just don't know why I went through these things. And, Mm -hmm. And I'm not here to say why anyone goes through anything, but- I am here to say, and I think you would agree, is that sometimes we go through things and then look what we get to do with it on the other side. Absolutely. I mean, you started Teen Pregnancy Center, Teen Mops, you know, all these things that God gets to use you with and you relate to them. Absolutely. I could start a Teen Mops 
and it would be fine. They would but still love you. They would still love me, but I was not ever a teenage <laughs> right, exactly. mom. Yeah. So I don't have, you know, the same and understanding. And they talk about like maybe some the looks I got. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember the nurse at the hospital that was so rude to me. When you even know? talk to me. When you even talk to me. Yeah. 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 So. Well, I think that's really amazing. And to say, and look what God has done. Like I'm writing books. I'm able to go speak. And not that they have to do that, but God can you God can do amazing things with them. So yeah. just encourage them. I think that they would feel unusable. Mm-hmm. I remember I used to feel You guys, I say it all the time, but our stories matter. Your story matters. My story matters. And Trisha's story matters. Okay, I know you're loving the show and you want to get back to the rest. But first, let me thank our sponsors. Virtue Labs is a new hair care brand with a goal of giving everyone the best hair scientifically possible. I'm down with that. Are you guys? Six years ago, a group of bioscientists working in restorative medicine discovered an incredible new protein called Alpha Carotene 60 KU which has the power to completely transform your hair. Alpha Carotene 60KU is a whole human protein that's identical to the carotene in your own hair. So it can resurface and fill in cracks from damage to change your hair's quality and appearance forever. And right now, you guys, you can find it only in Virtue Lab's line of shampoos, conditioners, and styling products. Not to mention that each formula was created to address specific issues like heat damage, frizz, or thinning hair. What that means for us is more bounce, more shine, more strength, and more life for your hair. Guys, you're going to notice a difference after the first wash. So are you ready to experience it? All of you Happy Hour listeners can now try Virtue at 10% off and get free shipping with the code Happy Hour. Go to VirtueLabs.com to place your order. Use the code Happy Hour. Because you know what, guys? It's time to start treating our hair with a little more humanity. It's time for Virtue. Okay, guys, now Trisha and I are going to open up a little bit, get a little bit vulnerable with talking about our journey with adoption and parenting. Okay, your new book, Walk It Out, came out October 1st, The Radical Result of Living God's Word One Step at a Time, Um, which that seems pretty simple, right? Like living out God's Word one step at a time. (laughs) Uh, You said you're passionate about encouraging women to read God's Word and just do what it says. Mm -hmm. Sounds so elementary. It sounds so easy. It sounds so easy. It's so hard. (laughs) But tell me, why are you feeling as though you're so, you must be passionate about it because you're not seeing it happen. Right. Yeah, because, oh, I know for my life, I thought like you think you know what your calling is or you think God's calling you to a thing. So for me, I started writing. I thought God was calling me to writing. And then he's like, you know, through my pastor saying, let's start this crisis pregnancy. I'm like, wait, that's not the call God has for me. But if you look in God's word, comfort those who have been comforted. Reach out, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, like all these things. And when I was praying about it, which I, I was praying to say, like, how can I tell my pastor that I can't do this? Like, <laughs> how do it was I like, say no exactly, in a nice way? How do I say no? Yeah. And God's saying, like, what about the young women in your community? Like, it wasn't an audible voice, but like, yeah. definitely, like, what about them? And it was like, oh, God, this is what God's word said, like, love people and bring them comfort and help them. And then the same thing with adoption. It's like, we were going on, we had our three kids, we had our very clean and happy house, like, we're living the life. And then God's word over and over says, care for the orphans and the widows. It's like, okay. I, if I believe this, it's going to be really hard. Like we're going to have to make some life changes. And we started like adopting one baby, which isn't like too hard. But then so your first adoption was one child yes, then, through the foster care system? No, one through a private adoption okay, uh-huh. with a birth mom. And then a sibling group of two through the foster care system, then a sibling group of four through the foster, which they're teenagers, 14 girls, like very hard. But 
I am so thankful now that I was willing to say, God, your word says this, I'm going to do it. And so I think so many times, like not that everyone has to adopt, but it says care for the orphans and widows. Like we all need to be doing something or it says serve the poor. It says go into the world. Like we, I think so many times we are so focused on Bible knowledge. So we're at all the Bible studies, we're getting all the knowledge, but then we're not actually doing what it says. We're not stepping out and, and stepping out of our comfort zone. And yeah, there's times I'm super uncomfortable. It was super uncomfortable when there's teen girls screaming at me and trying to run away and all these things. But God's word says, and their lives have completely changed. Mm-hmm. And then we're, the girls that I've worked with, with, with teen moms group have completely changed, but I'm completely out of my comfort zone. So it's hard, but I think a lot of people have the head knowledge, but they're not actually stepping out and doing what it says. But when they do, God shows up in such amazing ways. And then he asks you to take bigger steps of faith and bigger steps of faith, but he's always there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's never like, I want you to do this and have fun. I'll see you on and the I'm other out. side. Yeah. I'm out. He's always there. And so I've got to experience him in deeper ways as I've taken those steps of faith. Wow. I think sometimes I'm trying to think like, you know, this is convicting for all of us, not even with adoption. Cause I'm like you, I don't think everyone, you know, everyone should adopt. I just, right. I don't stand by that. Um, but we should all care for, mm-hmm. you know, the least of these. Um, but I think in my life, when I'm thinking about what are some ways that like, I really struggle is because I don't want to be uncomfortable. Yeah. It is uncomfortable. And I think it's because it's also unknown. You know what I mean? Like it's right. the unknown. I remember when um, Aaron and I, we don't live there now. We used to live in East Austin, which is an underdeveloped mm-hmm. part of town, under-resourced, we might say, maybe not underdeveloped, under-resourced, low income. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband, Aaron and I were the minority. So right. this is the neighborhood and we moved in. Um, and when we were praying about moving in, you know, some of our fears were just like, can we live in a small house? Um, can we live in an area that has crime? Yeah. Can we send our kids to the public school? Like all of those things. And they were just so foreign to us. Right. And so that's what made it uncomfortable. But like you're saying, once we just took one little step at a time, we didn't have, and another thing, I didn't know all the answers when we moved in. Yeah, no. But I wanted to know what fifth grade would look like for my <laughs> kindergartner. You know exactly, what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's what's scary too, is we want to know all the answers to what's in front of us. Yeah. We want to know steps three, four, and five when like God's like, take the first step. Mm. And like, maybe I'll give you a hint of step two, but like, we're like, what about step 25? Like what's going to happen there? And we think what we know what step five will look like. And oftentimes it looks way different than we even imagined, Yeah, you know? Um, Okay. So with your adoption, um, I'm an adoptive mom. Three of my kids joined our family through adoption. And I have several friends that have joined our family several friends that have kids that have joined their family through adoption. Um, and in particular, the foster care system. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super proud of our church here that we go to, that they really have taken a big initiative to work with the city and um, so many foster families in our church and so many organizations that serve foster families. That, yeah. um, but I believe, I think foster care can be really scary for people. Right. You know, can you give us, can you take a little of the fear out of it for right. us? So we adopted, I don't know if this, it's this way everywhere, but in Arkansas, there's kids that are already available for adoption. Yes, so these, Texas yes. too. So these are not, so we were considered foster parents for this first six months until the adoption was final, but we knew these kids, their parents' rights were already terminated. So there was no chance, like we didn't have to do visits with parents. Like we knew that we were going to eventually adopt them. Both of them had failed adoptions before us. So they were like even more, Mm, traumatized, diff- traumatized. Yeah, yeah. like it was really difficult but uh-huh. we knew and we were willing like for the first ones they were two and five they were the cutest things ever they would act out and big I mean 45 minute 
tantrums and like mm-hmm. dealing with all this stuff because they'd been hurt yeah. so many times. And trauma, then with the trauma, girls, trauma. yeah, so then they were traumatized with their birth mom. Then they were put into foster care, which was traumatic. And then they were moved, they were separated for a while. Some were in group homes, some were in foster homes. They eventually were in a children's home and then a family was going to adopt them and then change their mind because their behaviors, and, and you just have to know the first, like especially the first year is going to be really hard because every person in their life has hurt them and lied to them and told them we're going to adopt you or we're going to be here for you. And then they've moved on. So it's almost like a wounded puppy or, you know, you're like trying to reach out and love and then just they're biting at you totally. and they're snapping at totally. you. And-, and I think that's hard for some, and like that was hard for me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't very educated. I felt like this is so hard because I just thought love conquered all mm-hmm. and love and doesn't conquer I had all. Been up to, like I remember when we first did the foster training they, we had to go through nine weeks of classes. I'm like, I've been a mom for 23 years. I know how to be a mom. I right. Have, I have written parenting books. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and pretty much we got these kids. I'm like, okay, throw out everything in the parenting books. And we ended up going to trauma therapy with cognitive-based trauma therapy, which was just amazing. Yeah. I remember going in the first time with the little girl who was five. Who just She had a lot of issues. And they were even talking about like institutionalizing her before we got her. So, I mean, a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. And I go in there and there's this 15-year-old intern, or not 15, 25-year-old intern named Brittany. And, and I'm like, Brittany, tell me what to do. Like right. before I've been like, I was a mom uh-huh. and I had all these older kids that turned out great. And I wrote books and I literally, I'm like taking notes, like Brittany, tell me how to deal with these things. Like, how do I help her trauma? And I was like taking notes and she's like, well, okay, this is what you do. And I'm like, just like teach me yeah. because it's completely, mm-hmm. it's nothing that you expect. Yeah. Like it's nothing that you plan for. And it's, you just like want to love them and hold them and they don't want to look at you and mm-hmm. they want to run. And if it's a really good day, they'll do something to make it because they're so used to conflict and drama and um, they're not used, like their comfort zone is not peace. And so we'd have a peaceful day and they would do something to act out. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, why are we having a good day and they will act out? Why were they, they're sabotaging it? Because mm-hmm. they're so sure that it's going to end. They're so sure they're going to be sent away. They're so sure that we're going to reject them, that they're going to keep pushing and pushing and yeah. pushing. Yeah. And with the older girls, um, when we were before the judge and even on the way there, one of the girls was like, I don't think it's going to happen. Something's going to happen mm-hmm. on the way. Like, she's so sure that this is For not sure. going to happen. Mm-hmm. And when the judge like put the gavel down, it's like you were adopted. They started bawling. And mm-hmm. like, we were all crying. Like, they were so sure it wasn't going to happen that up until they heard it happen, they were like, they're, they're, that wall was still up. Mm-hmm. And we saw even a huge change, not a complete change, but a huge change even in their attitude towards us because it's like, you're not going anywhere. So mm-hmm. you must just yeah. learn to love us back yeah. because you're not leaving. Like mm-hmm. they, they knew that inside. Yeah. And I love that you're sharing. I mean, it's hard. And for some people are going to be like, oh my gosh, that sounds so hard and awful and scary. And it, and, and, Adoption is beautiful yeah. and it is wonderful. You and I both have yeah. formed our families that way, yes. you know? So we love it and we believe in it and it's beautiful. Um, but I think it's good for us to talk about the hardness of it. And I'll, I'll tell you this, Trisha, um, it was probably about a couple of years ago, um, I had this revelation. And when I say this out loud, you're going to think, wow, you didn't have that revelation <laughs> sooner. Uh, but I remember one time I was, I, was, I was alone and I was kind of lamenting with God about, man, we were probably having a hard day, you know, right. with my kids. And I was just like, this is so hard for me. Like, because it is hard. Parenting has brought out every sin tendency in my life yeah. that has ever been there. You Absolutely. know, God's like, let me give you all these children so that I can make you look more like me. And it's going to be hard. Exactly it's going right. to hurt. Yeah. And you're gonna be miserable. So I'm like having this hard day and I'm just like, man, like, God, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. This is really hard. Um, 
And I had this revelation, and I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't have it a long time ago, but I remember God kind of like just impressing on my heart and like just reminding me saying, do you think it's not hard for them? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, do you think it's not hard for them like to be traumatized? And when we, you and I are saying trauma a lot, but like just um, trauma can be in, in, you know, all kind of kids can Rejection be infected. Yes, anything. And, and yeah. so- you know, my kids weren't born here. They were born in Haiti. My son lived through the, the earthquake in Haiti. Mm-hmm. All of these things. And I just remember thinking, God kind of saying, do you think it's not hard for them? And it switched something in my brain. Like it really did. It made me feel like, you know what? I am a narcissistic parent who's thinking that this is all about me. Um, and what about my sweet kids? I had a moment almost exactly like that. So there's one one child. I won't try to give away. Especially, especially difficult. Like just would... I, I didn't feel like I was getting through to this child at all. It's like always putting up blocks every time I try to get close. And um, I, so I feel like if I heard this child coming like downstairs, I could just feel myself tensing up because it's going to be conflict. It's going to be problems. I remember one day just in my prayer journal, just like, well, I'll say she, because we have six she's. Yeah. <laughs> she did this, she did that. And she's acting this way. And I wish she would stop doing this. And then God saying, okay, like almost like God, how do you see her? she was rejected. She was ignored. She was lied to. She was pushed in the corner. She was forgotten. She was given up on. And and it just like softened my heart. And it was like, I was weeping, just seeing what she had gone through instead of just me, like the same Mm -hmm. exact things, not just me, like how is this affecting me, but what she dealt with. And like, when I heard her that morning, I like ran and like gave her a hug. It was just gave me this compassion. She's like, what? Like, Mm -hmm. why are you doing this? But just being able to see it as little kids, mm-hmm. like, cause all we want is a mom to love us and a yeah. dad to provide for us and yeah. someone to be there and not to feel alone. And, mm-hmm. um, once I was able to see like that she was going through all that stuff and there's no one there. Mm-hmm. And then my, when I softened to her, then she was like, cause I'm sure she, she felt something around me yeah. because it was making me tense. So yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of changed when I was willing to like Yes, she's still rude sometimes. And yes, she says stuff that hurts me, but it's okay. Because yeah. like God gave me that that compassion for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's so good. Like it's it's I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, and I'm like, you know, I don't want I don't want us to sound like, oh my gosh, this is so hard and our kids are so hard. Um, because I have one child through, you know, my right. body. And he's hard too. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just different. Parenting is so hard. Um, and I'm constantly reminded of my need for Jesus with parenting. Absolutely. All of my kids. I mean, it's just like, I cannot go a day without messing up with my parenting mm-hmm. skills, mm-hmm. needing Jesus, asking my kids for forgiveness. Oh yeah. Um, I hope that my kids, if they say anything, be like, mom would ask, tell me she's sorry. You know, mm-hmm. and like, I'm, I'm down with saying I'm sorry to my kids, yeah. you know, because I screw up. Um, okay, so- I always end every show, you know how I end it, yes. with three things you're loving and what you're reading. So where do you want to start first? Well, let's go with loving. Okay, what are okay. you loving? My Instapot. Have you heard? I have one. Do you use it? I okay. do use it. I don't use it as not enough, right. which we could probably do a whole show on <laughs> yeah. how many people do you cook? Because I know not all your kids live at home still. Well, we have 11. Okay, my grandma lives with us too. Yeah. So we have, so my my two oldest ones are married, so they don't live at home. Uh-huh. My daughter's a missionary in the Czech Republic. My son and his wife and kids live close to us. Our 23-year-old lives at home just because I told him you cannot leave. Because uh-huh. he's like, helps drive kids yeah, around. Right, right. Like, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the seven kids we adopted. And my 88-year-old grandma lives with us, too. Okay. So I cook for 11 every day. So we have, like, the eight-quart, the big Instapot. 
it saves my life. I think <laughs> I have the eight quart too. Yeah, it's like throw everything yeah. in there and fill you it to the top. You cook for eleven every day. Yeah, dinner every day. Wow. They, they breakfast because we're homeschooled. Yeah, breakfast and lunch they kind of do their own thing. Mm-hmm. But dinner. Do you want to tell us how much you spend a month on groceries? It's like seven hundred dollars a week. Yeah, a week. A week. Oh yeah, of course it we is have, because I spend that much a month. We have yeah, we have eleven people, and they eat like. People say yeah, teen boys. Ups. Yeah. And teen girls. And teen girls eat a yeah. lot. Yeah. Okay. But that, well, that includes like toiletries. For like sure. it's just, but for you sure. Know, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot in your house. <laughs> okay. So you're cooking for 11 every night. Your Instapot is amazing. You love it. Yeah. Lots. I love mine too, but I'll tell you the only thing I ever do, and I need to, I need to branch out because I've only done, um, I do spaghetti squash a lot in it okay. because I'll make up spaghetti squash and then I, because I'm home all day by myself. I mm-hmm. work from home. I'll eat on that throughout the whole week. I'll just yeah. heat it up, you know? So I make spaghetti squash, potatoes. Yeah. I've done like potato soup. I've done taco soup. I do a lot of soups because that feeds a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I'll do, I've done meatloaf in it before. Yeah. Works really good. You put a little, the little rack thing on the yeah. bottom uh-huh, and yeah. then put the foil, then you put the meatloaf in there. Cooks it great. Or, or like chicken for tacos. So if uh-huh. I'm going to do, so I put the chicken in there and it's like, it can go from frozen chicken from your freezer to done chicken in what thirty five minutes, forty that's minutes. That's what. That's the, the yeah. The and then just pour some, then pour some like salsa in there and break it up, and you have it for tacos. So because that's that's where I struggle is it's time for dinner, and then I'm like, oh well, everything's frozen. Yeah, no, throw it in there. Throw it in It'll, there. Yeah. Okay, so you love your instant pot. Me too. What else? Yes. Okay, so I love um, my Lularoe. Yeah. Le- I like wear leggings every day or the shirts. Is and that Lula It is. The, okay. the Do shirt you sell Lula right No. Okay. No. I have a girlfriend that used to, and I have tons of leggings. Yes. I sleep in them every night. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. They're so comfortable. Do you have any of their dresses? Yes. The Carly? Yep. That's my favorite. So I just wore it. Yeah. At the Claire conference. Yeah. 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 Okay. Lula What else? Okay. I love um, Christy Knuckles' new CD, <gasps> Be Held. It's so good. I just listen it to the drive to your house. Like, I, I just got it Friday, and I've just wearing it out it's on my phone first of all she could sing anything yes and, yeah. we would and love i love her because podcast her voice too. Yes, just, i love her podcast too yeah she's just the best but i think like when i heard um his banner over me is love so like i went to church when i was little and that just like brought this flood of god loving me before i did all the messed up stuff just that moment just i'm like this is so beautiful so i that's, love that cd as I well i love that cd Okay, I'll put a link in the show notes for all of those things. Yes. Um, okay, what do you, are you a reader? Do you have time to I'm read? I'm reading Aaron. Like I'm three chapters into Aaron's book. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're, really reading, you're reading Still Away Home. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, Thank I'm you only for reading it. Three. But I, like I was really impressed. Oh, I have to say. I'll tell him. Yes. I'm very proud. I'm a proud wife. So. If he was here, I might have brought it to like. And have him, him sign it? Yeah. I could sign it. I know how to sign it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we sign each other's checks all the time. Um, okay. So that's what you're reading. That's yeah. awesome. And Thank then, you. Um, I'm reading uh, another book called um, Still, no, wait, Such Good Girls. It's about hidden children during mm. World War II. Are you doing research? So, well, I already finished the book, but I'm still keeping reading. Okay, like, you can't it, stop. Yeah. Just, okay, well, give us a sneak peek. You just released a book in October. Walk yes. it out. What's next? I'm working on the Bible study. To, to go, go with, with the book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm working on a book that'll be out next fall. Um, it's called Calming Angry Kids. Oh. Because I did a blog post on that. Can you give me an um, early release? <laughs> Don't escalate with them would be yeah. my number one. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because we just like, they're, they do something, we get upset, then they get more angry, then we go, like uh-huh. we ride the tide with them. I remember so. my friend Jen told me one time, she's like, listen, 
they can get on the crazy train and I can tell them I'm not getting with you. Yeah. You get on. I'll be here when you get back. Yeah. I'm not getting on the train with you. Yeah. And that is hard for mamas. Now, does it your husband so struggle with getting on the crazy train? He's got on it a couple times. Aaron doesn't get on as much as I do. No. So John is- Aaron's like, I don't have time John for that is train. like so even killed. And so like, I take it personally. <laughs> Me like, too. He know, he's, he's a couple times he's been like something that's really pushed his button. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly like if they're disrespecting me, like yeah, that type totally, of thing. Totally, yeah, that's yeah. a dad for you. Yeah, but like whatever. When they say whatever, because all these girls, whatever, whatever, turn, roll their eyes and turn and walk oh my away. Gosh, my nine-year-old rolls her eyes at me. Yeah, and none of my boys have done that, and she so does. Whatever. So that just like I'm immediately like, Urgh. don't escalate yeah, with that. Don't escalate that. So that's yeah. So how do you? Okay, this is a whole nother podcast, and we're out of time. <laughs> just give us a glimpse because that sounds easy. Don't escalate with them. How do you not escalate? How do you personally not escalate? Um, yeah. So I will tell myself, like, this is not worth the battle. And I remind myself where it will go if it escalates. Like, in my mind, this uh-huh. is like a really quick thing. Yeah. And so take a deep breath. Yeah. And sometimes I'll say, you sit here and you think about that and then leave. Like, leave the situation. Yeah. Go to my room for a couple minutes. or um, and, and they'll, like, keep provoking me. And they'll keep going and just, like, walk away. Mm-hmm. Walk away. Yeah. But it's hard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because body language. Yeah. And well, another thing too, like, so if they do the whatever, they lose electronics for the whole day. If like they do the, the whatever. So they know. They know. If they say whatever, they don't get any TV, tablets, any of their electronics. So for, you see them, they're like, what? Just <laughs> kidding, mom. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there has time, totally. Yeah. Or, or they'll I, they'll start, I'm like, like, raise my eyebrows and they'll, they'll stop. So I guess giving them consequences, like if I know. That you know. That is one thing that is really going to get me upset. Just like set the consequences. And they've lost electronics. One just lost it a couple days ago. Set. And as soon as the words were out of her mouth, I'm like, no electronics. She's like, okay. Like it, it kind of like, uh-huh. we know this is the thing. I know. So if there's something that you know, especially pushes your buttons uh-huh. and that they, they'll do it because they know it affects me. Right. Just give a consequence to it. And that's the consequence. I've gotten better about consequences. Like the more kids I have, I'm like, this is how it is. Yeah. You chose. That's yeah. the consequence. I, uh, it was funny how you say like, you take it more personally than John does. And I'm like that with everything with kids. So my boys are um, 13, 12 and 11. And my daughter's story, she will talk to me nonstop 24 seven. She never stops talking. Like I literally and have to tell her, you have to stop. <laughs> like, it cannot be close to you right now. Uh, but my boys, they're getting kind of where they're telling Aaron things that they won't tell me, which is mm. cool. Aaron says this is normal. Yeah. It should be this way, all the things. And so yesterday when they come home from school, a lot of times they just go straight to their rooms. And sometimes I feel like, no, wait, I stopped work. I want to talk to you. Like, come hang out with me in the kitchen while I cook dinner. And they just want to be in their rooms. And just yesterday, I was feeling so defeated. Like, mm kids don't want to talk to me. Like, what, what if I, I, I've done something wrong. I've right. lost them, Trisha. Yeah. They're 12 and 11 and 13. <laughs> yeah. But I was convinced I had lost my children. And then they went to students last night and they came home and one of my kids was in the shower. So, but the other two, they just sat on the couch and talked to me for like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted them to make their lunches. I wanted them to get ready for school the next day. But I was like, I'm just going to soak this up because maybe this is when they wanted to talk. But I was saying, I take things personally. Right, exactly. Whereas Aaron would just be like, they're just tired from school, well, Jamie. What, Give yeah, them a break. I have to like, they get overstimulated because <laughs> yes. there's so much going on. Yeah. So like, we'll do something and I'll be like, come and help me at dinner. And they're like, I just go to chill for 10 minutes. Yes. And I know I get that way. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. I took it personally yesterday. But then when they talked to me for 15 minutes on the couch, I was like, okay, I'll take yeah. it. And, I, and it reminded me 
that today when they come home and they just want to go straight to their room for a little bit, I need to just know yeah. that they don't hate me. And I found like the best thing is just like take one of them. If I'm going on errands, like, hey, you want to go for a ride? Yeah. We'll go run errands. We'll go get a smoothie. And then like on the way home, all of a sudden they'll start yeah, talking. Yeah, like, give them stuff. Yeah, after like 30 minutes of riding in the car with <laughs> exactly. me, then all of a sudden they're willing yes. to talk. Yes. But yeah. I have found my kids talk a lot more if I give them things that they want. Not like expensive, <laughs> yeah. huge things, like but like, feel, hey, let's go get a yeah. you know, smoothie, like you yeah. said. Or yogurt. Or, yeah, yeah, whatever. So they love it. In big families, and your family's big, if even four kids is considered yeah. a large family. Nobody goes anywhere alone. Right. If you're going to the store, you're taking a kid exactly. with you. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. yeah, yeah. Going to the store alone is unheard of. Well, Trisha, thank you so much. Thank you. We for have covered me. a lot of ground today. Yeah. We've talked about parenting, not escalating, <laughs> teen pregnancies, um, telling being your loved, story, telling your story. So this is. I know that people listening are just going to be encouraged, inspired, and they are definitely going to be pointed to Jesus. So, thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You guys, wasn't that a great chat with Trisha? She seems like she has 8,457 balls in the air at one time, but yet you can tell that her love for Jesus and her family is just oozing out of her. I hope that you enjoyed our vulnerable and honest conversation about parenting. I'm releasing a podcast in January to go along with my book. Actually, that's the first time I've said that out loud, so there you go. But this episode basically could have started it all off of if you only knew. I think Trisha even said that at one point in the show. Guys, what another example of what God does in us and through us in spite of ourselves. And look at what God does with our story when we are willing to share it. Guys, don't forget, Virtue Labs is a new hair care brand with the goal of giving everyone the best hair scientifically possible via an incredible new protein, Alpha Carotene 60KU. Alpha Carotene 60KU is identical to the carotene in your own hair and has the power to resurface and fill in cracks from damage, meaning more bounce, more shine, and more life for your hair. And now you can get it exclusively in Virtue Labs line of shampoos, conditioners, and styling products. Are you ready to experience it? Just visit virtuelabs.com and use the code HAPPYHOUR to try Virtue at 10% off plus free shipping. Today's show is edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music is from Jason Poe. Next week, my guest is Gina Holiday. A friend of hers actually recommended her for the show and we had such a great conversation. She's a designer and a wife and a mama. And at one point in our conversation, we talk about how she is actually loving God more because of her pain with lupus. Listen to what she says. Before I used to think like, oh, everything happens for a reason. And now I'm more or less like, it, ne it doesn't necessarily have to happen for a reason, but God can use it for purpose. And when you're in those hard times, I think, like, I, I just grew up with the mentality that, like, if you're doing everything right, you should not have hard times. But that's not true. Like, that's not even what the Bible says. You're going to love that show next week. Make sure you listen. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend.